So like that was one thing culturally we had to change in the gym was people would be like, oh, my back's killing me. And they just go grab a foam roller and roll out for 10 minutes. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like this isn't going to be a long-term solution for you. Welcome back to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we talk about pain, rehab, performance, and education. If you have questions about the nuance that we dive into, please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you about it. Apart from that, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and we hope everyone stays safe and is staying healthy. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, my name is Dr. Max. I'm here with Dr. John Herding. Hey, guys, how are you? Future Dr. Tyler Boyd. What's going on, guys? And we are graced today with the presence of Derek Batman. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Real name. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna chat with Derek. Derek is a uh, longtime kind of friend and partner of John's in terms of uh, being a good referral source. He's a great strength conditioning coach. Um, owns his own gym, as he'll kind of get into. And we're gonna talk a little bit about mindset behind injury. Uh, from a coach's perspective, from a PT perspective, or more of a medical side, we obviously all recognize and understand that the mindset behind a lot of this stuff oftentimes plays as big, if not more, or, or a larger factor than um, even some of the physical stuff sometimes. So uh, I think it's a valuable kind of discussion point for us to have and for Derek to to share his thoughts and ideas on, on the subject. So before we kind of get into things, Derek, I don't actually even know you all that well, um, so I couldn't, I couldn't introduce you with any you know, good precision. So I will let you introduce yourself, your background, kind of how you got into the industry, and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been a strength and conditioning coach now for going on uh, just shy of 10 years, actually, um, in terms of owning my own brick and mortar. Um, I consider us to be like a blend of a strength and conditioning facility and a CrossFit gym. Um, we started out much more on the classic CrossFit side back in 2011 um, and have uh, rather quickly progressed into being a blend of that and a strength facility over the last couple of years. Um, I work with everyone from general population to athletes at uh, a variety of different um, ability levels. And, um, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time in the trenches with people that are dealing with pain, um, injury, um, you know, coming back from, uh, from their physical therapist uh, or, you know, dealing with nagging problems that have yet to, uh, you know, uh, surmount into something more serious. Um, so I think it's, a, you know, a fascinating conversation because uh, be it a coach, a physical therapist um, or anyone in this space, you know, we spend quite a bit of time uh, around these people. Um, and getting their mindset into the right place when it comes to their injuries and their pain can be uh, fundamental in getting them into the right trajectory when it comes to uh, finding success and uh, you know relieving them of, of their symptoms. Yeah, and I, it is worth noting, like when you work, when you think about who spends the most amount of time with an individual who's in pain, it's almost exclusively their personal trainer, their strength coach, their sport coach, or their PT. Um, and I would argue that probably the former has even more time spent with that person. And so you're having tons of conversation, you're helping the person work through their frustrations and understand kind of what's going on with them. Um, so much more than even their surgeon or their uh, primary care physician. And so the impact that you can have 
based on how much time you spend with them is huge on that mindset side of things. Um, has that been something that you've always kind of thought about in your kind of practice or do you feel like that's something that you've grown more to like appreciate the value of? I've absolutely grown more to appreciate the value of. I mean, and that's been, you know, it's kind of like that saying, um, you know, people with great advice have had a lot of problems. Um, so like I've gone through quite a bit of this myself in terms of battling back from injury. So that's been um, a large part of, of my learning experience with this. Um, but, you know, w- one of the things that I tell my coaches all the time is that like your value as a coach is derived from your ability to solve complex problems. So basically the more complexity that you know you can solve, you know, the better you you are as a coach. Um, so like this is really where my relationship with John has, has kind of blossomed because he's uh, been monumental and, and huge in uh, guiding me in a direction as to uh, have a better understanding of where pain comes from and, and how to deal with people on a physical level. Um, when it comes to the mindset side, that is something that like I have have built up from just spending you know hours upon hours with people and hearing them talk about their problems and, and their pain um, and their relationship to it. Um, one of the things I think about in this, in regards to this, is like our physiological response to pain. I think is similar to like our physiological response to something like anxiety. In that you know if you're in line to get on a roller coaster, right? Assuming you like roller coasters there's a physiological response, there's things that are going on, right? Your heart rate's racing, um, you, 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 your, you know, your respiratory rate might increase a little bit, but at the end of the day, when you get on the roller coaster, you're excited and you associate that with pleasure. Um, but if you were to wake up in the middle of the night and have those same symptoms, like you would probably go to the emergency room, right? Or at the very least call your primary doctor. And I think that this translates over really well to when we talk about pain um, and our emotional responses and physiological responses to it um, in that, you know, how we react to what we're feeling um, ultimately a lot of times determines our ability to get better. Yeah, for sure. I always love the uh, the example of having to go to the bathroom when you like really <laughs> need to pee, but you're nowhere near your house. Probably you're going to get some signaling from your brain that, that suppresses that sensation to some degree. Right, and then it's as you start to approach your house, you know that you're gonna soon have the opportunity to go to the bathroom. It's that sensation starts to get progressively worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's not just a time thing, right? Because if you had waited in a in an area that you still knew you weren't gonna be able to go, you're probably gonna suppress that sensation. It's not gonna be as you know visceral or as immediate. And then as you approach that, the mindset of it, knowing that I'm about to be home, I'm about to be able to go that makes it such a different feeling, right? It's such a different experience. And I think a lot of times pain can be like that, especially when you're you're considering, you know, how close you are to a meet or to a CrossFit competition, what your expectations are gonna be about your performance. And all of those things can impact how pain feels, even though you know, the physical stimulus isn't, isn't changing a whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this brings in like a fascinating point of of just how much things like determination kind of play a role here, because I've had athletes that were two weeks out from a competition and sustained an injury that would probably have put just, you know, the general person out for, for two months. But these people made their mind up that they were competing and they needed to get better. Um, so seeing that in real time in person just shows you how powerful the mind can be when it comes to getting out of pain. And that's not to say that, 
you should always just try to get through these things as fast as humanly possible, you know, and, and give yourself some sort of a deadline or else we would, you know, every time someone got hurt, we would just sign them up for a marathon and be like, all right, this is the solution. Um, but I do think that that is, a de is demonstrative of just how powerful, again, the mind is in, in getting us back to um, a place of being out of pain. Are there, do you feel like there's any, any common things that you see when people come in, maybe have some pain that you're thinking is not a good kind of indicator that they're going to be super successful? What I mean by that is, are there things that people say that kind of raise a, a flag to you that like, ooh, this is well, not a great mindset to have. For sure. I think that and there's there's kind of a spectrum to this as there is with, with most things. And that's like, I we, ha we get half of people that, you know, or a third of the people I'll say that say like, I'll push through everything. Like that's their mentality when it comes to pain. And then, you know, you fall and you look at the other end of the spectrum and you have people saying like, they're, I'm afraid to do anything. And then everyone that's the other 30% or so that kind of falls in, in between. Um, <clears throat> so we look for those statements of, of just absolutes, like, you know, I, I can't jump or I can't run without knee pain or, um, you know, that would fall more onto the side of like, I'm afraid to do anything. And then we have the people that are like, uh, I wear a belt because my back hurts every time I deadlift, but yet they continue to deadlift, yeah. you know, like week just, in and week out. It's just like an eight out of 10, you know, it's nothing. nothing. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, so it's it, we, we do see quite the spectrum and, um, you know, we, we do ask questions like quite a bit in, in our introductory process to really try to get down to the bottom of this um, because, you know, we'll have people say to us like, oh, yeah, like I feel completely fine. And you have them fill out their injury history report and they don't necessarily note anything. And then like as you take them through their introductory process, they're like, oh, you have to be really a little bit careful when it comes to like, I don't know, squatting below parallel. You're like, oh, why? And like, well, I had ACL reconstruction two years ago, you know, so like, you know, we, we see it again. It's, it kind of falls on both ends here. Um, and people either try to like hide things that, that went on or uh, almost make them worse and keep them relevant, right? Like, oh, I had a shoulder problem 10 years ago and, and they're still talking about it like it's relevant today. Um, and it's not that we don't need that information. It's still necessary, but it's part of their story of like who they are. Um, and you can just tell that they've, they, they believe that they're in pain, so they're gonna continue to be in pain. Um, and this is something I was actually gonna, I was really curious as to your guys' input on, which is, you know, from my understanding, you know, after an individual's in pain, especially beyond the, you know, the scope of 90 days or so, some of these uh, pain receptors can kind of be left open or the pathways can be left open and can be where, where the, can create a situation where the patient or the client is experiencing pain despite the fact that the stru that structurally they're fully back to normal. Um, so if you guys could expand on that, that would be awesome. Pain is tough. Pain is so tough. I was like waiting to see who's going to take it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that. so you, it's a, it's a physio, there's a, a physical, a physiological, a psychological, um, there, there's a response to, to pain, right? And it, it can, and there's different stages and I'm not the pain science guy and I'm not the, so, you know, there's better people able to explain this better than me, but yes, initially you might have this, 
Um, the injury that's a physiolog- physiological response to increased stress where there's a physical injury, right? So you have the phys- physical and the, the physiological response that the body takes. And then I think over time through language that's used, through prior experience that people have, you start to get more into the psych component of pain. Um, and I, again, I'm not the best person to explain this, but I think that psych can kind of then drive to start, start to drive those more inherent and permanent physiological changes as well, because we know we can't separate psych from physiology very often, right? So um, I think once the body is healed, if psych has then continued to drive like a physiological process, the pain process where those receptors start to maybe stay open for lack of a better term, then you start to fall into these these people that, well, your your way out of this, um, you know, ACL surgery, and if everything mechanically was treated the way it should have in rehab, you shouldn't be having pain. But w- did a thought process lead to have these receptors kind of stay open because of prior experience, or what physicians were telling you, or what people around you were telling you, or um, whatever? So, I think pain just gets really really tricky. And I think that's from a coaching perspective, whether it's in PT or on your side of things, Derek, it's all right, this is the the time frame since injury. This is what you should be doing. Let's make sure we check all the boxes with screening that so we can load appropriately and then just start to adapt the tissues and make sure the tissues are prepared appropriately. And then whether it's bringing other professionals involved or using other imagery strategies to help change the the mental aspect of pain and that's where it gets like super tough right um but i think medical professionals as a whole coaches as a whole need to make sure their language supports what we're trying to do instead of further helps people get into this mindset of woe is me you know and we've talked about that before yeah. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely love that. Um, you know, and to, to your one point about physicians, like my number one or one of my number one pet peeves, I should say, is when physicians talk in terms of absolutes, um, especially when they're negative absolutes with clients or patients. Um, and they say, like, you'll never press again or put any weight overhead. I'm like, this guy's 32. Like, what are you talking about? Um, you know, and I, and I understand that in a lot of ways they're trying to cover their own ass many times. Um, but what it does is it it kind of curates the beginning of this story that this person's then going to have everywhere else they go. And and we do see this. You know, we sit down for someone in a consultation and they're just like, yeah, I'm told I'm never able to run again. And you can just tell, like, it just, like, sucks the energy out of their life. Um, so what, what we do when it comes to pain with clients, um, at least with, you know, what's in the scope of our practice is uh, – the, the, the number one thing that we try to do, and this is our base for all of this, is that we try to get them focused on the task at hand, right? Because people either love to think in the past in terms of the, the injury itself that occurred and times that they possibly have injured it even further back than that. And they like to kind of project into the future as far as like, well, how's this going to affect me tomorrow in two weeks, a month, and then, you know, for the rest of this year. And what it does is it's just a complete distraction from the things that they should be doing and focusing on. So the more that we can get them focused on what it is they need to do to get better, I feel like the less they they put their thoughts into the pain itself and the more they put their thoughts into the process of what it's going to take to improve. Um, you know, and in, as part of this, we spend time with them kind of reframing the injury as a chance to kind of rebuild and get stronger than before, right? So many times we've had people that it's like, 
you know, they, they have to go for shoulder surgery. This is something that they've put off for the past 10 years. They get it. It's like, okay, like this is your opportunity to rebuild. Like think of all the things that you weren't able to do when, when you were basically putting off this surgery for the last decade. Now imagine where we can build from, right? So let's, let's look at this as a new beginning rather than I'm getting older and this is just kind of a, a, a piece to that puzzle. Um, we get them to kind of externalize their fears and concerns um, because many a times what happens is as, as they start to do this and you let them just kind of like flow with it, a lot of them are like wildly irrational. So a lot of their thoughts as far as like what the, what's going to happen or what can happen from this injury uh, are they're they're just not they're the worst possible case scenario that you know as a coach is like highly unlikely, right? Um, and you know we talk about uh, kind of the preventative measures. It's like okay, well, what's what do we what can we do and where can we put our efforts to prevent this type of thing from happening again? Because you know we're obviously talking about pain and injury, and we have to discern between the two. Like if someone is experiencing pain, it's like this is fixable. Like you don't need to live with this, and kind of getting people into the mindset of like okay, I need to be part of this equation. Like one thing I tell our clients is like, you give 51% of the effort and I give 49. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, I'll give you the tools, but like you need to step up to the plate and be willing to, to match me plus an extra percentage point in terms of effort. Yeah, I mean, you know, I it's difficult whenever you're going through things. And I actually wanna go back to a little bit of what you said because I think it's under, it, I don't want it to fly under the radar when, you kind of talked about your process of formally assessing this stuff in your athletes and in the the people that come in. I don't know about you, John, but I haven't in all the the, the CrossFit gyms and the strength conditioning gyms, the bodybuilding gyms, like everything I've been in. There's never really been an evaluation process where they really touched on like what the mindset of the person is, um, particularly if they're having pain. Usually they're just like, oh well. We'll leave that pain conversation to, you know, the, the healthcare providers who are probably doing it wrong, if not worse than wrong. Um, and so <laughs> I'm curious to hear, like, what what does it look like for you guys in terms of your you know, evaluation process or when people come in, you know, the conversation that you you have? Do you have formal questionnaires that they fill out on past injuries? Do you ask those questions formally or do you just sit down and have a detailed conversation and you know this is a piece of it so at the moment it, we're we're much more standardized um, and structured in our that the actual physical uh, screenings and protocols that we have in place and John actually helped us out tremendously with that I'm um, getting those put up and, and set up for the gym so we use a combination of, of screenings that John helped us out with as well as uh, FMS and then we give them uh, you know a basic injury history uh, history questionnaire but to be honest with you like most of the groundwork here happens in the conversations during that report phase of working with that individual in a you know a dynamic one-on-one -on -one setting where you get to see them move you get to see what their face looks like as they're going through movements um, whether they're grimacing or they're showing signs of being um, you know uncertain or uh, you know lacking confidence in certain movement patterns and you know that gives you the opportunity to to, to kind of dig a little bit deeper I think that the reality is some of these when we start talking about mindset it's something that people guard right so like people don't like like being in pain because you're manifesting it through a mindset is like a form of what some people would refer to as like, or they think to be a weakness. So like people resist having these types of conversations. So I don't think that 
having necessarily a formal process per se would even draw the same results as just building report building report with that individual and then over time starting to dig deeper into why uh, some of these pain symptoms still might be coming up. Yeah, and that, I mean, that even, I feel like, reminds me of week two of RISE, when <laughs> <laughs> the foundations course, when I, I shared a study that was basically looking at the report of prior injuries from Olympic athletes, whether or not they reported it in kind of objective um, intake paperwork versus in an interview, and the athletes reported four times more injuries when done through an interview and just a conversation than they did on their intake paperwork. Because as soon as you start to talk to them, then you realize, you know, all they put on, they put none on their intake paperwork or they put like low back pain. And then you start talking about, all right, well, let's talk about like your overhead press. And they're like, oh, well, I did have this shoulder thing. And it's like, oh, yeah, my elbow bothers me during deadlifts. Oh, and I did sprain my ankle six months ago. And you're like, okay. <laughs> well, much, exactly. Yeah. People, people, they, they just like, it, their movement doesn't lie. You know, so if you watch someone run and, and their gait is off or you watch someone go to pick up a bar and they just, you know, are moving super slow in their hinge pattern, you're like, okay, like something's up here, you know. So it just gives you – it's that coach's eye and that opportunity to kind of ask the right questions at the right moments that I think really presents an opportunity uh, to, to help them um, and start to get some more information as far as, you know, okay, where – why are you in pain? Why can't you perform this movement? Where are you feeling it? How bad is it? Um, you know, what is this stemming from? That's really where you can do um, that curious kind of inquisitive work um, in a one-on-one -on -one setting. Do you ever find people who somehow are incredibly successful with what you would anticipate being the worst mindset of all time? And they're still like, God, they're just Well, this is the funny thing. This is the funny thing about genetics, right? Is that it's it's kind of this paradox in that like the people that have great genetics in one particular area of their life are completely unaware of just how uh, uh, like uh, how amazing they are in that in that area like they don't realize how much how gifted they are and for the people that aren't gifted in that particular area it's like it doesn't matter because at the end of the day like you can't control it and you still got to put in the work so like yeah i would say it falls more on the side of the people that are the genetic freaks right like and despite the fact that they've had slight pain like they're still able to produce a ridiculous amount of power and you're like i don't understand this like like you 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 know two days ago you were barely able to pick up a barbell and now you're snatching 130 keys like where did this come from yeah yeah, I feel like I see that too in, in, in patients who I'm just like, you, you, it's almost like there's, there's an ignorance to how good they are or how blessed they are, like you said, and that almost shields them from having a bad mindset because they just, they just expect that, that this is going to go really well all the time. I remember I had one patient like six months ago who had had this ridiculously involved surgery and he 100% fully expected he was going to come back to normal. He, he was just thought like, yeah, this is going to be, you know, 12 week recovery. Like you said, I'm going to be perfectly fine in 12 weeks. And then he was like, it was like, <laughs> you're almost like manifesting yeah. your own reality. And I'm like, I would have probably had that same injury and like been doom and gloom. Like, Oh my God. Like you said, what is this going to do to the rest of my year? Like, am I ever going to get back? But 
this kid was just like, why, what do you mean? Why would I not? Well, and this is, this is why I think like tracking progress and, and having the, the nuanced details as part of, you know, getting back to some sense of normalcy in your training or fitness, whatever it is, is super important regardless of your genetic profile. Like, because whether you improve by, you know, 10 units a day or one unit a day, it doesn't matter as long as you can see it, right? So this is why that's the kind of the foundation for everything I do in regards to pain. Um, You know, although that can be a little difficult because it's more subjective, but especially when it comes to injury, it's like the, the more things that you can track for someone when they have those moments where they feel like giving up or you have the moments where you have, you know, the baseball player that had Tommy John surgery and swears he's going to throw in eight weeks. Like you can say, no, 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 like look at these, like you're not ready. So it kind of covers your, you know, your butt in both directions, right? Yeah. And that's where I think, you know, you mentioned the, the subset of people who you have some people who are like kind of confronters who will confront what's going on and just be like, nah, I'm fine. Like it's only a nine out of 10 back pain. Like I'm, I'm good to deadlift today. And then you have the avoidance kind of group who they're like, no, like my pain is, it's only a one out of 10, but what if it gets worse? Like, I don't want to do anything to mess it up. And either end of the spectrum, you're probably going to have to intervene in some capacity and say like, no, maybe we shouldn't deadlift today. Like you're going to do yourself a disservice by prolonging this thing. We probably do need to rest and not confront this quite as much. And then the other end who you're like, listen, it's okay. Like you're not going to, not going to break anything today, deadlifting. Yeah, and then weight. you you ha- also have the the kind of other variable thrown in here, which is the difference of working with an individual versus working with a group. So like before all of our classes, our coaches are instructed to say like, hey, has anyone got anything going on? Please let me know as we go through our warm ups. I'd be happy to modify the movements for today. And it's crickets. And then like someone will kind of like call you over like, <laughs> like yeah. I have this ankle thing. I shouldn't be doing these box jumps. You go, oh, okay. But the minute you pull any of these people into a personal training setting, they'll be straight up front and honest. I think, again, it comes down to like people don't want to pain. They associate pain with weakness. So they they think like, oh, if I let the group know that I have something going on, like that's weakness, you know? So I think that 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 plays a component um, in this as well. How do you go about like, I'm curious how you go about dictating. I know I just talk a lot. Uh, You guys are going for it. I'm just letting you go. (laughs) Like, so we, we try to, as PTs, fill somewhat of a niche where we we know the common story someone you know whatever tears their ACL or maybe it's a more minor injury they have some low back pain they go to a surgeon the surgeon says stop doing things for four weeks and then you know do whatever you want after that and then they get back to the gym maybe they still have some pain we try to fill that niche where we're like hey we're going to help support the transition ideally to not even listen to maybe those recommendations that make no sense if they do make no sense and transition you back into the gym as best we can but there's a certain point where like we can't treat everyone forever right even if you have there may be a point in time where within our plan of care you've kind of checked off all the boxes that we can realistically check off for you and at this point you'd be better off progressing under the guidance of a strength conditioning coach even though you still have a little bit of pain how do you go about determining like when to refer someone for medical guidance for the pain stuff or what's your level of kind of comfort with people coming to you with pain because obviously there's practice issues like you mentioned in terms of the scope of you can't advertise your treatment pain but realistically 
most people have pain most of the time in some capacity, you know, especially when they're pushing performance. Well, I mean, now I just hand them an Ospro form, and uh, depending on the there responses to that, uh, you know, if I feel like it's a little wishy-washy or I'm uncertain, I just reach out to John. Um, if there's ever something, like the last thing I ever want to do, like I'm there 100% to help people. So if I feel like my efforts can... Uh, can do the opposite of that or send someone in the wrong direction, like I'm always going to outsource and reach out. Um, the one thing I would say, you know, to kind of piggyback off of what you were talking about is that, you know, I always preface when I finish going over, like, let's say I have a program for like elbow tendinopathy or whatever the case is. When I go over all the exercises with somebody and then they have videos and descriptions of, you know, everything like necessary for them, I let them know like, listen, like this will serve as a toolbox, not just to get you better, but in case that this ever becomes a problem again, you now have things, right? And then at the end of every week of that program, I ask them like, what exercises made you feel better? What exercises made you feel worse? Like I want them to be inquisitive into the things that they're doing because then it, again, it just, it gives them the, the idea of like, okay, like I'm self-learning in this process too. I'm not, like, and I think that's one of the problems you guys face is that people come to you many times and this is, you know, you guys are an awesome clinic and you really do a great job of bridging the gap between, you know, your typical physical therapist and, you know, going back to a full on strength and conditioning program. But I, I think part of the issue is that people assume like, oh, okay, I can go and get dry needled or have manipulation done or, you know, get massaged in some sense, you know, like do some of this, uh, you know, uh, like soft tissue work um, and I'll be better. You know, they, they fail to see that they need to also put in that work. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to the mindset of the type of person that we're dealing with, right? Are they going to accept it as just a, a stage in the training process where they just need to recalibrate and figure it out and move on? Or is this the type of person where I'm not going to take responsibility, someone else has to do this for me, woe is me, this is going to ruin my ability to compete in a week, right? Um, and I think that's, again, that goes back to our language, to their mindset of previous injuries, who they've talked to in the past. But I like what you said there, Derek, too, is everybody should have the ability to take care of themselves to some degree. Like Kelly Starrett said that 10 years ago, right? With Supple yeah. Leopard, like everybody should have the ability to perform basic maintenance on themselves, right? Like every little elbow tendinopathy or sprained ankle shouldn't be sending you to the physician, right? Um, because then that gets to the point of then where does language come in? And three times a week, I feel like we see someone that says, the physician said this is my the worst knee they've ever seen in their life. And we already know that imaging doesn't correlate with injury, right? So I th that then you just start to get in this loop. So going back to that, I think it just comes into how do we craft language to create the mindset of, all right, it's just a little set setback, but let's recalibrate because we can still reach a goal, whether it's a week from now, four weeks from now, four months from now. Um, the body's more resilient than we give it credit for a lot. Um, modern medicine's what, 150 years old? And it's amazing, but also with a lot of the orthopedic stuff we're dealing with on a daily basis, like in the past, the body's been pretty good about clearing a lot of that up. And hopefully with the techniques that we've learned through research in the last 20, 30, 40 years, we can expedite the process a little bit. But um, that's, that's where just, I think language and how we're able to shape mindset has more a part of, you know, taking care of the injury process more than we allow to. And that's why Derek is so good at it because you've really just knowing you personally, you've dived deep into it personally, but I think that's, that comes out into 
how you go about approaching this stuff with your clients too. And I think the more that we can get people thinking about being self-aware and in the moment and, you know, taking things a step at a time, I, I, that I think almost goes a lot further through the injury rehab performance process than any type of protocol we write up for strength training or performance training for muscle strength. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. There, there's some irony in what you said, though, about the, the uh, Kelly Starrett recommending that people learn how to do the basic maintenance on themselves. And it's it's this tendency for people to want to take the path of least resistance where there's the least amount of work. So, like, what what can you pinpoint as, like, being the most common practice that people took from a lot of Kelly Starrett's early work? It was, like, foam rolling. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was one thing culturally we had to change in the gym was people would be like, oh, my back's killing me. And they just go grab a foam roller and roll out for 10 minutes. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, this isn't going to be a long-term solution for you like you can't just invest in a foam roller and think that your back pain is going to subside like this is going to take some real work but it's it's something that's going to be able to happen on a realistic timeline if you put the work in but i also think now we're starting to see things come full circle like in your 10 years i know at the beginning of your career nobody was foam rolling and then everybody started foam rolling and now i almost think people are getting away from falling foam rolling and some of those techniques and now they're just better understanding how to load tissue and position tissue to make sure that you fix that back pain. Yeah, no, right? absolutely. Um, but I think that also comes from both physical therapy and strength and conditioning are young professions too, right? First strength coach was in the 50s. Same with PT. Somewhere even later. Yeah, yeah. so so I, I, I do think there's a little bit of this natural progression of, or this progression of the industry of now we're just, we're, we're giving things enough time to see what they work. And now instead of finding, we're finding the things that instead of giving you that temporary solution of foam rolling, it's all right, well, how can we better keep, teach people to maintain a position, load a position to cure that back pain once and for all? For sure. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, as time goes on, there's always that like the hot new girl in school and then the boat kind of rocks back in the other direction. Right. Yeah. So it's like you always see this rocking effect where something comes about, it becomes really popular people realize that it's not, you know, the, the, the be all that it, they thought it was. Um, and then we typically see a, a rocking in the other direction. So I do think we are kind of seeing somewhat of a leveling here because I think more so than ever, there's been this, uh, kind of, I don't want to say like marriage, but there's been, there's been a, uh, you know, a collaboration of physical therapists and strength coaches. Like I don't think we saw in the past. Yeah. I, th- I, I like to think that that's true about all domains of kind of like healthcare or patient management. Um, you know, like physicians are starting to ideally communicate a little bit more with PTs and with nursing and then PTs with strength coaches. Like I think that we're headed in the right direction, even though that there's a ton of work to do. And, you know, on that end, like I, if you want to make sometimes the biggest impact in recognizing, like what John said, that half the injuries you're seeing are just dumb training. And you could have probably prevented them with better training in the first place. So if you really want to talk preventative medicine, talk to the coaches and trainers because um, they're going to be the, the true front line preventing a lot of this stuff. Um, and so if you really want to make an impact, you're probably best off building some relationships with the people in your community that share the same values from a health standpoint, from a putting the individual athlete or patient or client first and build those relationships, hop on some podcasts and you know get to know the people and then 
you do have a circumstance where if someone comes to me, they're a crossfitter, they're a powerlifter, they're coming off an injury, I know who to send them to, who there's an open line of communication with, and that's just going to support the process so much more um, than trying to do it in our individual silos. Um, Derek, we're running out on time here. Uh, any, any, if anyone wanted to find you somewhere, social media, website, gym, um, drop all that stuff so people can get in touch uh, with So you. my gym's Hard Bad Athletics, uh, so we can be found at hardbadathletics.com, and that's also on Instagram. And then my personal Instagram is coach, period, Batman, Coach Batman. That's the coolest name I've ever heard. <laughs> um, John? Um, on Instagram, John Herding underscore DPT. I'm maxlepage.dpt. And then tylerboy.spt. Nice. So if you guys have any questions, please reach out to Batman, and then he'll answer those for you. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll talk to you guys in the next one. See ya. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Training Room Talk podcast. We hope today's discussion was helpful in illuminating some of the complexities behind pain and rehab. If you don't know where to go from here, please reach out to us with questions. We have mentorship options for clinicians and students and programming options for you to elevate your own fitness. We look forward to speaking with you and again, hope you enjoyed today's discussion.